This is the Rejoicing in the Word podcast, coming to you from the capital region of the Susquehanna Valley. My name is Josh Hamilton, and I'm here today with Pastor Brandon Starnes. We want to welcome you back to episode number 21, where we are looking at Biblical Missions Applied. We want to encourage you to check out our Facebook page. It's facebook.com forward slash rwmin. Remember to like us, share us, and check out the content that's there. Also, don't forget about the blog. It's svbcpa.org forward slash rwblog. Make sure you check out the blog posts. Also, if you want the direct link for our podcast, you can find it at svbcpa.org forward slash rwpod, and that'll give you the links for all the major podcast platforms. Feel free to share it with your friends, with your family, uh, whether they're far away across the sea or right next door. Share us with, with some people there. This uh, this season, season two, we have some giveaways coming up, and it's going to be a set of Rejoicing in the Word coasters. We have a couple sets to give away, as well as some daily devotional books as well. So in order to get in the drawing for those, and that drawing is going to happen at the end of season two, but in order to get in, make sure you follow us on Facebook, like us, and message us your email address. That way, whenever we go to draw... We can have your information there, um, that way you can know that you're the winner. So, as we get into it, uh, we're going to be looking here, let's start out talking about William Carey, and just some history there. He's known and considered often as the father of modern missions, and he was born in 1761 and died in 1832. After coming to know Christ as his Savior, he became burdened for the souls around the world, and talk about his occupation beforehand. I mean, yeah, he was, uh, I think, the oldest of five children. And he's an interesting character uh, because he did not fit what is often considered the model that we have today. You know, someone that went to Bible college and and uh, um, maybe took some advanced theology classes and stuff. He he got saved. If memory serves me correct, he got saved during a message that was preached out of Second Corinthians about come out from among them and be separate, thus saith the Lord. But he comes to the saving knowledge of Christ, and he teaches himself how to read, and, and he was a cobbler by trade, uh, which doesn't mean he made sweet dough confectioners. Yeah, he didn't make cobbler. Wow. He, he was a cobbler. Uh, so he made shoes. Yes, okay. yes, and fashioned them back during the days when it wasn't a throwaway society. Like wooden clogs or leather? I don't know. You'll have to ask him. I don't know. <laughs> Probably leather, wooden, I don't know. Uh, but he, he fashioned all these, and he would, as he had taught himself to read, he'd line his shop with, you know, maps and statistics okay. about countries around the world. And really, the Lord used, uh, between his personal Bible study and what he had surrounded himself with his honest questions, what what about those that aren't in your backyard as it was? What What if... Unlike William Carey, you know, this is his perception. What, right. what if they didn't have the opportunity I had just to go to a church where there was a preaching of the gospel? What do you do about those? He referred to them as the heathen that live abroad around the world. What about them? Right. And he began praying for those people. He did. And, and after some period of time, he winds up pastoring a church and he goes to a conference, a preacher fellowship type thing. And he asked the question about what obligation is there to you know, preach the gospel to the heathen. And right. he was told by kind of the moderator, sit down. If God would win the heathen, if he would save the heathen, he'll do so without my help or yours. Wow. I think to be a young man, that would have 
been traumatizing. That could have really put a damper on what God was trying to do in his spirit. Yes, he would have, he would have needed all kind of counseling. His feelings had been hurt. <laughs> He's embarrassed. Canceled. Yes, he had been canceled. And But you know what he does? Goes forward. Yes. All right. And, and the doors are not open. Right. But he continues to pray and to, to commit himself is really probably an optimal consideration. Uh, and he authors a little book called, and now this, this oh, is the title. This is the title. Okay. So brace yourselves. I, I feel like we could have done like an acrostic or something, <laughs> but it is an inquiry into the obligation of Christians to use means for the conversion of heathens. Uh, and it was a very extensive, it's very catchy. It rolls right off the end right, of the tongue. 16 word title. <laughs> yes. And it was five parts. The whole book was five parts is broken down. So like you had part one and that kind of was the theological justification. Okay. You know, this is what God said. Go ye into all the world. Uh, every generation has a responsibility. Go into Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, uttermost parts of the world. Part two, he looked backwards from his perspective. Okay, so history yeah, of missions. Yeah, you know, what is the history of missions from other believers? Right. And surely there are many of them. Oh, yeah. Uh, not just to look at uh, the disciples. And by that, I mean the apostles that went into various areas. Or uh, Timothy, Demas, other folks that, that had went to various lands and preaching the gospel. Part three was his list of resources. Okay. Uh, languages, population. Statistics. And yep, stuff. that's what it was. And then part four... It was kind of a Q&A. Here, here's the questions that were given about sending missionaries or theological things, and here's the answer he gave. Okay. And then the final part was really calling more in a practical means. How how do we get from point A to point B? Right. Um, today, I think in many places we could take that for granted because there's been good patterns laid out in so many different ways. And yeah, people almost, you walk into a church and they expect, if you walk into it, I mean... If you walk into our church, yeah, people are going to expect yeah. that we're going to help missionaries get to their field. Yeah, absolutely. And so that wasn't the case at this particular time in right. England. Yeah. So how do you do it? And one of the ways they used was a, a society in which would have, you know, a secretary and treasurer and stuff like that and, and a formulation that would come together and see about and oversee the getting them there. And it, it was 1792. He's 31 years old. He's got a young family. That, uh, he didn't sell for the ocean blue, but he did sell for Calcutta and makes, uh, makes landing there and, um, continues his missionary endeavors there in Serenpore and Calcutta up until his death in 1830, 1834, I think it is, um, 1832 maybe. And that's a significant period of time, 40 years or so in India. Uh, and God used him in a great way. Um, that is a fascinating reflection on Baptist history. And I think that's why he's often referred to as the father of modern missions. And of course, another one that comes well to mind is like Adoniram Judson, okay, which right. we would call the father of um, modern American missions. Right. But, but nonetheless, you know, to our point of biblical missions today, these men, particularly as we've looked a little bit at the narrative of William Carey's life, they do not start the story. They do not define ultimately the principles of New Testament missions. Uh, in fact, it doesn't even begin with Abraham or Jacob, Israel, if you will. It doesn't even go back to the Garden of Edom. You'd have to Eden. go back farther. Yeah, I think you have to go back before the foundation of the world. Uh, that's what Ephesians chapter 1 says, before the foundation of the world. The Lord laid in plan the provided redemption for 
by faith all of humanity. Yeah. And that's the beginning of the missions account, and it began in that pre-creative state when God, in his sovereignty, made uh, the path known. Right. And this is a good time to kind of review our definition that we've set in of place missions. here of missions for the podcast here. Missions is the preaching of the gospel to the condemned of Adam's race, wherever they may be. And no doubt there are many challenges and missions, but there are often some attitudes that can be difficult to overcome. And have been, and even in the past, have well, been difficult I mean, to overcome. you think about William Carey, initially when he made that statement mm-hmm. about going forward, there were attitudes and thought processes that well, we're standing in the way. Even you know? the account of, you know, if uh, God wants it done, he'll get it done with your job. It's almost wishful thinking. Yeah. Uh, that the reality being that we're not sure how the gospel got from Jerusalem to here to London. <laughs> but, that's God's business. And but, to see how the gospel gets from London to Calcutta, that's God's business. He didn't need you to do it. Right. Uh, and, and that was kind of a wishful thinking. It'd get done somehow. It's really neglecting the fact and the truth that God uses children of God. Yeah. God and, uses means. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, God has a will, but he uses the means of prayer. God has faith, or I should say salvation, but he uses the means of faith. God has the provision of salvation, but yes, he does the, use the means of individuals. That are like William Carey or others yeah. to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. God uses means to accomplish his goal. And so I think it's rather um, a terrible hindrance, you know, or misconception for him to say, well, it'll get done somehow. Oh, yeah. Uh, sometimes the, another one would be just, I don't know, almost like a willful ignorance. I just don't care. Right. Yeah. Um, I'm saved. I'm heaven bound. Uh, I have the truth and the peace that gospel brings. And for a definition of gospel, go back to our previous podcast. Right. <laughs> but I have it, and really, it just doesn't matter. Yeah, and, and then another one I'm sure we could look at is the traditions of men. Yeah. And that's kind of what you could look at, too, with William Carey. Apparently, there was traditions in place that you didn't. You didn't go forth. Oh, my. Can, I mean, during that time, j- just to touch on some of those traditions, during that time— you, you know, you you didn't really have missionaries in your in your church. You, you that was rarely a consideration. But yet, if you would go back even years further. in England, I mean, you would see that England was evangelized very heavily, and God used God used church planners, God used traveling preachers, evangelists. I mean, you could call them definitely missionaries to preach and spread the gospel in England. Yeah, the the modern concept of how we have and engage in missions. Has changed a lot. I mean, we spoke last week, I think it was, about missions conference, how to get the most out of your missions conference. The reality is that wasn't ongoing two, three hundred years ago. Um, it, it's something that serves its purpose, as we mentioned, uh, causes us to focus on the need and, and the, 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 the real necessity of the teaching of the gospel. Um, even when they started sending missionaries, um, I think of, uh, Henrietta Schock. Her dad was a colonel in Virginia militia back in the day, called him Colonel Addison. And uh, when Henrietta, uh, she got married and she was going to go over to China, her husband and missionaries, and when she went to go that way, basically, he uh-huh. looked at it as, this is finished. Never seen you, you know, again. I love you. I am so glad for this decision you've made. I will be disappointed if you return home. I do. Actually, I remember that story. That is, that is, to me, in my mind, as a father, just as a pastor, I, that's like, wow, that's tough. 
But there were some reasonable things, too. You couldn't just charter a ship. Uh, you just to get there on your on the uh, ocean bound. Well, that was a life sea travel life threat. That's a right whole there. other thing. There's going to be physical uh, infirmities that you'll engage. And she would she would uh, pass away, I think, at the age of 27. He hmm. he didn't actually get to see her again. Right. Um, but even still, there were missionaries till heaven. Yes. Well, yes. There are missionaries since then that, I mean, essentially they rarely ever came home. And, and that's a change that our time frame of missions with travel, technology, uh, with technology has allowed us to pursue. Yeah. Uh, even how they used to get their support. Oh, yeah. I mean, now you can just jump in your vehicle, mm-hmm. bring your whole family with you, and go up and down the East Coast, out to the West Coast, through the middle, the mid states there. And, and it's a fact. I mean, you, you in, in churches and, and in a broader sense, denominations as a whole have, engage in supporting their missionaries differently. But, you know, you take an independent church, an independent Baptist church that was going to support their missionary. I mean, we just basically send the check and with the electronic banking they have today, it's it's in the necessary accounts in a very timely manner. Right. That has not always been the case. Yeah, I guess imagine if your money had to come over the ocean blue as well. Months. What if Months, the ship went down? Yes. And, I mean, you would have to almost have some type of supplemental way. Right. Of dealing with things. And so these are the traditions of men. Can you imagine if we stayed in those traditions? Say, well, this is the way our missionaries never took furloughs. They never come home. This is just the way we've always done it. Hmm. This is the way we've always done it is good. Well, that's why if it's, it's built on biblical principles. Correct. That's why we want to look at the Bible. Yes. And, you know, this is a good time to remind our listeners of what is to be really required, what's involved when we deal with missions. Right. And there's a number of things that we could talk about that, you know, tell us what missions, biblically, from a biblical perspective, one should be involved in. Right. Let me give you the the first principle we have here, or I guess what is required. You know, the first thing is going. Mm-hmm. We have to go. The The scriptures command us to go. In fact, if oftentimes people would just, this would come right to your mind, the Great Commission. And go ye into all the world, preach the gospel five times. First five books Matthew, of the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and, and Acts. Acts. Yeah, all five times. Yeah. And not only are you going, if you'd even look at those same passages and others, you'd find that you go, and why do you go? To preach the gospel. And you're going to find that in all all throughout the first five books of the New Testament. And I, I like the principle there, Matthew 28, of making disciples. That's a big part of the mission's endeavor. Yeah. To make disciples, not singularly just to get professions, right. but to see the process of regeneration occur, the beginning of sanctification occur. Folks are in, ingrained into a New Testament assembly, and then you, you start making the method that then one day they'll be going again to right. all the all. And the that world. kind of brings up the continued teaching. Yeah, the because Second Timothy 2.2 2 principle. Right. You, I mean, you find that in just in Paul, he's writing to these churches why to strengthen them, to help them, to direct them, to correct them. Because they need continually taught so that one day whenever Paul's gone, they too can be sending out missionaries, sending forth the gospel. The same commit thou to faithful men who shall teach others also. Second Timothy two two. Yeah. But you know, seeing all of this, that God instituted missions, that he's commanded its continuance, the real question that comes in is what do we do now? Well, there are things we need to do. Yeah. I, I mean, the primary passages that we often use, we'll call them the Great Commission passages. The question is, are there any other passages describe how the apostles and the early churches carried out biblical principles? And the big answer to that is absolutely. It's yes. Yes. There are several biblical principles. And so let's take some time 
today and look through in the balance of our podcast. And I think it'll probably carry us over into a following one too. But let's look at some biblical principles that we see regarding missions in the scriptures. Sure. I mean, we just talked about going, but how are you supposed to go? Yeah. And that brings us to principle one. Missionaries are to be sent. Another word you could use is commissioned by a local church. And let me read Acts 13, 1 through 3, because that references this here very clearly. Now there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers as Barnabas and Simeon that was called Niger and Lucius of Cyrene and Manane, which had been brought up with Herod, the Tetrarch, and Saul. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Paul, or Barnabas, and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. There we have there the principle there of sending, but not they are sent by a church, the church at Antioch, yeah, a real, and let's be clear, a real, a real church. people church. Right. It's a not, local It's not assembly. some type of ghost church or anything. Right. This is this is real people, real individuals sitting sitting before the preaching and under the preaching of the word of God. Uh, and I would take note there. I think it's a liability when we change that principle. Yeah. Um, Bible colleges, specifically in the directive of the New Testament under a church, can have their place in, in helping to train missionaries. But Bible colleges alone do not have the biblical principle to send missionaries. Yes, yeah, the local and, church. And the same thing could be said of, of seminaries, missions agency, etc. They're not authorized to do that. Right. They have their great value. They can. In their biblical place. Yes. But that's not the, the final authority. The final authority that the scriptures gives that to is the local body of believers. Well, ultimately, too, the responsibility... Falls That's a good word. On the responsibility to send forth those laborers falls on the local assembly of believers. And who else? Who else really better to do that? This is kind of lead us into the next point. But you know, if you are in uh, a New Testament church and you're engaged and you're faithful, the fact is those individuals are great going to be great supporters of your ministry they're going to know who you are right they're going to see how you've handled difficulties they're going to see how you've handled troubles it just seems to be a natural thing that that is sometimes that is the best recruiting round oh yeah for missions is the church and the church is the one responsible for sending them well, out well i think about it too that the church is going to know i mean you think about some people grow up in church yeah say they grow up in church they've been taught in the junior church class, under the preaching from the pulpit, these people that are sending these missionaries from their local church, they know what the missionaries have been taught. Even still, I think a, a good principle of this too is the, the, I don't know if it's a doctrine, if we call it that, but the, the law of rep- reproduction, right? Yeah. You, you know, oranges should produce oranges. Yeah. You're reared in a sound Bible preaching church. What should you produce? A sound Bible preaching church. What yeah. you came from. Yes, what you came from. And and it's a sign to me, you know, as I meet missionaries, when I can know that their home church is one of their strongest endorsers, it ought to be that way. Right. And I know sometimes we have policies and something, we want to treat all missionaries equal, but if that missionary is coming out of their own New Testament church and they're going into the highways and the byways for the purpose of the gospel, you ought to be their uh, chief uh, cheerleader, as it were. Sure. You, you ought to be their greatest financier as much as you possibly can. Uh, I realize there are distinctions there, but nevertheless, the principle seems to sound true. 
and that is that it is the local assembly that commissions missionaries to go forth as laborers for the gospel's sake. Yeah. And you know, turning this to the second principle, one of those reasons is a missionary ought to be qualified. Yeah. And, and when you look there in the passage you read a moment ago, I think it's verse number two. Yeah, I'll point it out again. Yeah. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, separate Barnabas and Saul for the work whereunto I've called them. They that, were separated for a reason. They were, but what were they doing? They were they were fasting ministering. and praying and well, ministering. Well, yeah, they were, yeah, I'm focusing on that part. They're ministering, and I think with that, they met certain preconditions. They were qualified individuals. I don't I don't think it's positive at all that it, missionary activity, I don't think it's positive at all that missionary activity should look as though it's the starting point for some future ministry. Right. Like, if this doesn't pan out, I'll go over here. I also, I also want to think church pastoring of churches should be seen that way. Right. Um, I know that everybody has to start somewhere. And I also know that the Lord sometimes directs the steps of individuals slightly different than our initial thoughts or plans. Right. But as a whole, those those are separate entities. I'm saying that missionary activity should be seen as, well, if I don't have anything else to do, this is what I'm going to do. Uh, the New Testament principle here indicates that some of the finest, choicest of God's vessels entered the mission's activity, and I'm directly referencing Paul, yeah. and by extension, Barnabas, Barnabas as well. Yeah, uh, They're going to have many difficulties, missionaries are. And we wouldn't have to look very far. We just look at Paul's life and Paul's ministry. Now, I would yeah. hope that not many missionaries are floating out on the shipwreck with, you know, yeah. under under confinement of, and prisoners, but I mean... There are difficulties and trials. Yes, and the, the greatest qualities in the scriptures, and I think of 1 Corinthians, or rather 1 Timothy 3 and Titus, uh, there are these qualifications that are given, and there's they're important both outward and those internal ones, but you need to make sure that this is not a novice, not one that's going to be blown by every wind of doctrine. They're steadfast, there's a genuineness, all of things, and where else to prove all that? Right, in the local church. And they're in their local home assembly. That is the place to think. Well, what was Paul doing whenever after these churches has been started? We get the opportunity. I mean, God preserved it for us. We get to read those letters that were written back to those churches. And Paul, because he's sound in, sound in doctrine, sound in faith, because he's well qualified, he's able to instruct these churches. He's able to correct these churches. And, yeah, and think he, about course, if he wasn't qualified. He was an apostle as well. Yes. We and God, God had placed him in a unique role. Yes. But the principle is no longer, no less viable, is present. Yeah. Uh, there is a necessity for having the right sender, and that's your, your church, and, and having the right candidate, and that is qualified. Uh, and those are important things. And I, I, um, another principle that we might get to is the fact that missionaries must be accountable. Right. They must be accountable. They're going out there, and sometimes, and this is uh, sometimes the case for the Apostle Paul, though he was often with a team, uh, the fact is uh, he reported back to these churches. He was in an island. All they're out by his lonesome. He had the... He might have felt alone. He did, and certainly that's true in missions. There's times you're just going to feel... Lonely. Yes. That's kind of touching back you're on, on the, hardships. You're on the forefront. Yeah. You're in the big leagues now, you know. Um, I was blessed to be able to spend a number of years as an assistant pastor, and so there's a team concept to some certain degrees. You know, right. if my toes got stepped on in the ministry, I could always run to the pastor and I could talk to him, 
And sometimes, you know, I'd get a little insight into how his toes were far worse damaged than mine. <laughs> but, but you have that. But aside from some of the technical advances, when you're out over there, sometimes that's not the case. Uh, but they're not an island to themselves. And you see this principle in the life of the missionary journeys of the Apostle Paul. Um, Acts chapter 14, I think, is Let me read the that. We have 26 and verse 27 as well. And then sailed to Antioch, from whence they had been recommended to the grace of God for the work which they had fulfilled. And when they were come and had gathered the church together, they rehearsed all that God had done with them, and how he had opened the door of faith unto the Gentiles. But it says there, they they came back and they gathered the church, and then they rehearsed to the church all that God had done with them. And so there's some accountability there. They're coming to... This is what God's doing. This is the work that God is doing. It's the work that God has placed us in and allowing us to take part in. That's why, just to put a shameless plug in, but that's why missionary prayer letters are so important. Yeah. Um, I know there's other means, blogs and things like that. That's why it's so important to have the missionaries have the opportunity to come off the field, not only for a brief respite, but also to fill in the blanks. Uh, another thing that I would just have noted over the years is that sometimes a missionary that doesn't get back in a timely fashion, it might take them to a whole term, Sure, you know, uh, three or four years, different times. I think about, but they'll be forgotten if they don't reattach themselves to those that have so faithfully have given. Yeah. So they've got to be accountable. Yeah. And this, it ensures the maintenance of sound doctrine, sound practice, sound fellowship. Like you were just talking about Mm -hmm. being forgotten. And equally allows the churches to have the best ability to pray, to encourage, to comfort, to befriend them. You, you know, it's, it's so interesting. We've got missionaries we support and, um, you know, read their prayer letters. Some of their children have been born on the field of their service. Right. Wh- wherever that may be. And uh, just as a side part, you know, you take a piece of paper and have someone list for you all the missionaries, their field, and then put all the children's names there. You'd be surprised how difficult it is if, if it was just 10 missionaries right. for you to get all the children and the right field and maybe the right church name or right in the right and put it all together. That oh, is yeah. challenging. But their lives have not stopped. They're still parents. They're still husband and wife. They're still engaged. They're still going through so many of the same difficulties we will. And so there's a level of accountability and it does help the, the churches that are are laboring together to send them over there. It helps them to the best of their ability to pray and to encourage them and attempt to be a source of comfort to them. Yeah. Uh, but those missionaries, there's the the doctrine, if you will, the yeah. principle of accountability. Yeah. Well, the other principle that is a necessity is that missionaries must be supported. And that you would think that that ought to go without saying. But right. sometimes we might say, well, and, you know, they can go over there and, they can just make it happen. And and the fact is, some of them, um, by sheer state of necessity, engage oh, yeah. in that matter. Yeah. Uh, I, we spoke at the opening of this one on William Carey. Uh, he wound up uh, engaged in doing various types of dialoguing and training and things of that nature and did wind up more or less self-supporting himself. Um, that's kind of redundant, but supporting himself right. from his own hands, tent making, if you'll call that. Right. Uh, and that was be true of a number of missionaries that engaged, but that, that does not seem to be, uh, the New Testament principle as a whole, um, that we find in the scriptures. Paul says in Philippians chapter four, uh, that that Philippian church had supported him once and again. And he said, it's not because I desire 
fruit, or I not desire desire. Um, not that I desire a gift. That's the but word I desire I'm fruit for, that may abound to your account. Yeah. Um, prayer support is real support. Yeah, and it should be readily and regularly engaged in. Yet financial support is also a necessity in life, and not only in the Apostle Paul's life, but there were others that were supported for the cause of the gospel. Yeah. Well, the fact of the matter is, just like those of us who are not on the mission field, not overseas, we have needs that need taken care of. They're going to have needs. There. I mean, the same things. I mean, they're going to need food. They're going to need a home. They're going to need a vehicle. And and true to form, too, sometimes being overseas, the cost is not less. Sure, yeah. And I say overseas because that's so often we do it. But you can even look in certain regions here in our country. If you were to take a U.S. church planner, uh, sometimes the cost they're going to run into is higher. Well, you look at New York City versus not New York City. Yeah. You know, uh, somewhere that's not in a city-type location. And and then there's there's just a number of them. And, and, and children and I... I praise the Lord for how he has cared for us. I'm particularly talking about my family and such. But we have a great debt of thanks to the number of churches that supported us when we were planting here at Susquehanna. Um, had they failed in their biblical principles of mission support, I think about the difficulties and and disruptions that no doubt would have been caused. Right. Um, it's evident, it's evident that those not directly engaging in missions endeavor should seek to provide material and moral support to those that have been called to the great effort that God has given them. Missionaries must be supported. And, you know, what a joy it is to watch missionaries. And I love, I love getting the prayer letters and they often have something like this. We're so thankful for our supporters. You can glaze over that if you want. But I am certain that a New Testament missionary is not only in a level of indebtedness, but in a level of genuine thanks for those that supported them. As William Carey was leaving to go to India, those pastors of those churches that surrounded him, they mentioned this to him. They said, you're going to go over there. And he said, I'll go to India as long as you hold the ropes for me. And essentially, that's what uh, the home church and the churches that are aiding and supporting are doing for that missionary they're holding, holding, if you will, the ropes of support. They're holding the ropes of accountability. They're holding these ropes to sustain the missionary and the furtherance of the gospel for his name's sake. Hmm. Let's close out here this episode with a verse, as we always do. First Peter 2 verse 9 says this, But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. What a great verse to end on as we think of his marvelous light, how God has called us out of darkness, that we too can share that marvelous light with those around us. And we want to thank you for joining us for this 21st episode. We hope it's been a blessing to you. Goodbye for now.